This is the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about the new season of What If? Season 2, Episode 2. What if Peter Quill attacked Earth's mightiest heroes? This is taking too long. I will find the boy and destroy him and the seedling myself. Hey, Lightning Boy, we kind of have a team thing going on here. And I have a duty thing going on here, Mustache Man, to see to it that the boy submits to Asgardian justice. Which entails what, exactly? Eternal flagellation, impalement, some light maiming, you know, standard stuff. We can't just let you take him. We need to study him. We need to kill him. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to the Defenders podcast on TV Podcast Industries. It is What If, Season 2, Episode 2, What If Peter Quill Attacked Earth's Mightiest Heroes? And also, what if TV Podcast Industries was a man down and Mm -hmm. didn't have Chris Jones? Well, you will find out, sure enough, (laughs) because I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm your other host, Derek. Yes, we're Christmas. Where is Chris? I like that. Chrysalis. It's like Christmas. It is. But without Chris. And like chrysalids. Well, that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Another good reference there. There you go. Derek. Or should we call what if, what if ellipses question mark? Well, that's basically is the name of the show, isn't it? it yeah, is. it's always the uh, the three dots <laughs> and ellipses. Let's check what that was earlier on, didn't you? <laughs> I did because I couldn't. I knew they had a name, and I mm-hmm. couldn't remember what it was. Yeah, yeah. So ellipses. But yes, unfortunately, Chris unable to join us uh, for yes. this episode. We're trying to do a bit of catch up, uh, as we mentioned in the last episode. All these episodes of uh, What If coming out daily from the twenty second of December, and uh, we weren't able to cover them any earlier. So we're trying to fit them all in around our yeah. schedule. Uh, very busy around New Year's as well. So. Bang, 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 bang. Pretty much. Disney Plus, indeed, yeah. Not sure I like um, having nine episodes of a show that's going to take possibly two years for the next season to come, all coming out daily. Yeah, so it it would be nice if it was weekly, for Mm. sure. Spread a bit further. Yeah, a little bit more spread. Yeah. Like, too little butter over toast. (laughs) It's almost the Lord of the Rings quote. Almost the Lord of the Rings quote. (laughs) I feel like butter spread over... Spread too thinly over toast. <laughs> or something like that. Anyway. I feel like butter spread over too much bread. Yes. That's it. Yes, that's Something it. like that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. enough Lord of the Rings references, <laughs> because this is our spoiler-filled discussion of episode two of the new series of Marvel's What If? And this time we get to see... What if Peter Quill attacked Earth's mightiest heroes? Mm-hmm. And just a reminder for those of you who haven't subscribed to the podcast or who, or who may just be joining us for What If for the first time, uh, please head on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can s- subscribe to the podcast over there and get all of the shows that we've been covering. We've done over 800 episodes uh, covering tons of the MCU, but loads and loads of other shows, especially in the last couple of years. Yes. We've been doing about 100 shows a year, haven't we? Certainly. And indeed, we have done What If Season 1. So if you want to follow the through line of What Ifs, Mm -hmm. uh, please head on over uh, to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com where you can join any mysterious podcast player in the multiverse of your 
choice. Yeah. Uh, we also love feedback as well. So you can send in your emails to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and we will read them out on the podcast in our feedback section. Mm -hmm. And of course, we also have our spoiler filled posts over on our Facebook group as well. Just head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. Absolutely. And you can also now follow us on threads. Pop on over to threads and look for TV podcast industries. Uh, we're trying to move there from uh, Twitter, but uh, want to retain followers and people that like our posts. So uh, come join us over there in threads. The more we get, more chance we can get away from thre from Twitter, right? Yeah. So it can be our ex. Exactly. Exactly. But Derek, what are some of the episode details for Episode two of this new season of What If? What if Peter Quill attacked Earth's mightiest heroes? Well, the executive producers for the show, of course, are Brian Andrews, AC Bradley, and Brad Winterbaum, uh, along with Kevin Feige. Uh, head writer for the show is AC Bradley. And this episode was written by Matthew Chauncey, one of the other head writers for the series as well. This episode and most of the other episodes are directed by Brian Andrews as well. Excellent stuff. Yeah, a little switcheroo from episode one with the uh, director. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with their synopsis for What If Season 2, Episode 2, What If Peter Quill Attacked Earth's Mightiest Heroes? Sure. In 1988, Yondu takes Peter Quill to Ego, who urges him to help his expansion across the universe. Six months later, after ravaging several worlds, Quill returns to Earth. In response, Peggy Carter and Howard Stark assemble a team of Earth's mightiest heroes, composed of Bill Foster, King T'Chaka of Wakanda, the Winter Soldier, Dr. Wendy Lawson, and a reluctant Hank Pym, who brings his daughter Hope Van Dyne along. After a scuffle on Coney Island, the team detains Quill with the help from Thor. As the team discusses their next move, Van Dyne connects with Quill over music and realises that he returned to Earth to come home. Hope frees Quill, who travels to Missouri. Meanwhile, T'Chaka, Foster and Thor aid Carter's forces holding back Ego, who has travelled to Earth to continue his expansion into the universe. Meanwhile, Pym and Lawson encounter Quill, visiting his mother's grave, and a sympathetic Pym convinces him to stand against his father. The Winter Soldier, under the influence of his Russian handler, prepares to assassinate Quill until Stark reminds him of his best friend Steve Rogers. Just as Ego overwhelms the heroes and attempts to obtain his seedling, Pym and Quill arrive in time to stop him, with Quill using the cosmic energy of the Celestial Seedling to destroy Ego's avatar form. The team, minus Bucky Barnes, celebrates their victory before setting out to confront Ego's planetary form. Back once again in 1988, a big year for um, the MCU. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And again, another Guardians of the Galaxy kind of connection or thread here this time with peter quill obviously mm -hmm. episode one had nebula uh, and uh, her connection with guardians of the galaxy and mm -hmm. um, so yeah we have uh that that thread here 
Yeah, yeah. So our, our first point really is uh, what if we had seen this before? So what MCU movies is this referencing? What's the jumping off points? Uh, as you say, uh, the opening of Guardians of the Galaxy when Peter Quill gets taken from Earth is the starting point. We saw the uh, how that story played out in Volume 2 when Peter got delivered to Ego, his father. Um, but here it's effectively saying that he gets taken by Yondu. And then Yandu doesn't have the change of heart that he had yeah. in the original Guardians of the Galaxy. It's I a just, fast forward, yeah, effectively. Exactly. Just hands him straight over to Ego. So uh, as a young, impressionable child, directly after losing his mother, he's now um, in the hands of Ego, the living planet, to tell him uh, his plan to take over the universe. Yeah, although I did think him effectively disintegrating his Walkman immediately mm-hmm. uh, after uh, sort of taking his son Peter you know, it was probably a little on the nose for Peter because, um, you see how much music and, you know, that symbol of, uh, the, of that Walkman meant to him mm. when he, he comes into contact with Hope Van Dyne here, which is really, you know, important. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I love this Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 kind of connection. Yeah. And that's exactly what Ego did when, he met Peter Quill in Volume Two. He destroyed yep. his Walkman as well, almost immediately after getting there. Um, so he was he was annoyed at Peter walking around with a Walkman when he's a celestial being, effectively. So, uh, so that is connected to to Volume Two. Uh, just interestingly, um, last season when we had Chadwick Boseman appearing again as Black Panther, we had that episode where he became Star Lord and he was taken from Earth by um, by the ship into space, uh, brought into space by Yondu. So. Um, all, that also took place in 1988 as well. So another, as I say, big year for the MCU, uh, this, this year yeah. in 1988. Um, there's also a reference here. We, we have spent a lot of time with Hank Pym and, uh, and Hope Van Dyne. Um, this is about a year after Hope's mother disappeared into, uh, the quantum verse. So, yeah. um, so that's again, um, a big moment. We saw, Hank Pym leaving uh, Shield in 1988 in, in Ant Man and the Wasp, I think it was yeah. the opening scene of that, uh, where we had Peggy Carter and Howard Stark, leaders of Shield, and now we had them back here in this episode as well. So uh, mm-hmm. loads of little connections there. Yeah, the other connection with Ant Man is Bill Foster as of well, course, yeah. Um, yeah. who is played by Morpheus. Uh, sorry, I mean Lawrence Fishburne uh, <laughs> yes. as well, who was in the Ant Man series uh, as well. And mm-hmm. um, so here, taking on a, a, a bigger, more super heroic character than we've seen um from the ant-man series really yes certainly larger he's uh he's playing goliath here which is yeah. uh the character that he, that he plays more often in the comic books um we we know goliath from from comics yeah and um, so great to see him in there and i quite like that because as well there is a, another uh player here from captain marvel again a significant role but one that's you know more of an influence on Captain Marvel in the form of Dr. Wendy Lawson, who was a Cree uh, looking to sort of almost change the, the Cree's outlook of, of, you know, domination and empire building and mm-hmm. colonization that had come to predominate within Cree society and with the supreme intelligence. Yeah. So, you know, again, really interesting choice here. Um, I love, you know, as, as Wendy Lawson arrives, it's like, well, that's not a, an Air Force uniform. It's, a, it's a Cree Force uniform. Mm. Um, so, again, you know, the fact that she's still in a Cree Force uniform, you know, are the Cree slightly different here mm-hmm. uh, yeah. within this world yeah. uh, as well? And then, of course, finally, we have 
the Winter Soldier for sure with the Winter Soldier here. Um, under the control of the Russians here, so we have mm-hmm. the reference to the Cold War rather than being under the control of Hydra mm-hmm. uh, and being his tool for assassination uh, and world changing, you know, event changing um, here. Yeah. But also even with the Avengers, you know, it's the end of the first Iron Man with the formation of the Avengers. This is all, almost a different version of the Avengers. Yeah, so, happening much, much earlier. Yeah, well, yeah. Over, what, 15 years earlier? Yeah. Whilst it's not an attack on New York like mm-hmm. we got with that movie, it is the the first engagement of these uh, this group of avenging heroes. Exactly, hence why they're called Earth's Mightiest Heroes yeah. rather than Avengers in here. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. same thing. Yeah. interchangeable sometimes the comics yeah absolutely different just not being done by nick fury exactly uh, in this instance exactly this time of course peggy carter and uh and howard stark getting a bridge together yeah so uh loads of different connections and threads here uh from the mcu movies but ultimately going on to our second point what if there was a small change that Mm -hmm. change is um that peter quill in effect, does not become the Star-Lord of the Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. that battles and defeats Ronan, mm-hmm. uh, the the Kree uh, general. Accuser. And yeah. the accuser. Mm-hmm. But it is, he is shorthanded through to Ego um, and is immediately dropped off by Yondu and the Ravagers uh, into the hands of Ego, who then has his time to sort of manipulate this impressionable young Peter Quill. Yeah. And in effect, rather than Thanos attacking New York in this instance, it is the young um, boy that is Peter Quill arriving on Earth seemingly as a hostile um, to take it over and continue uh, the expansion of ego yeah. uh, through the activation of those celestial seedlings uh, that we saw. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. We kind of hear a little bit later as as Thor arrives that um, effectively eight of the nine realms have been destroyed um, by this expansion plan that Ego's put together. So huge impacts uh, by Peter being taken on board this early, him finding this celestial child of himself that's able to carry the weight and carry the power of uh, of Ego as well. So uh, I think that was the, the yeah. storyline in, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was that he had many, many children across many, many galaxies and uh, wasn't able to get any of them to take on his power and, and take on his uh, his abilities it wasn't until he found Peter that he was able to do that. So uh, here we have a much more impressionable Peter, as we said, directly after his mother died, being talked into uh, working alongside Ego. Uh, yeah, it's almost it like his like. advance uh, guard or emissary uh, going to activate the those seedlings exactly. are on the planet so that yeah. Ego effectively doesn't have to get his hands dirty. Yeah. Um, but in this case... Um, he, he does because, I mean, I, I, I think at the heart of this, uh, what I really enjoyed was that connection between Hope Van Dyne and Peter Quill. Mm, yeah. You know, after he's been detained, uh, by Earth's Mightiest Heroes, mm-hmm. I love, I just loved how, um, 
it, I, I loved how it linked in with the Pym family here. You know, we see at the start Hank Pym having trouble connecting with Hope, his daughter, with the loss of her mother and his wife and mm-hmm. um, you know just finding it difficult to to be able to sort of connect with this kid mm-hmm. um, and it definitely that, does something that we can all relate to around uh, the holiday period where he's cooking dinner and, and hope's looking at him going where are the vegetables <laughs> which is what i'm <laughs> yeah, currently exactly. feeling like at the moment no absolutely uh, but potato chips are made from potatoes which are a vegetable <laughs> yeah well that's it and yeah. i i kind of liked how that you know effectively he he can't get a sitter, so he just brings her to work, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but I, I liked how, um, you know, that chance event with Hope being there on the base where Peter is being uh, held mm-hmm. uh, after sort of causing havoc in New York and their battle around Coney Island mm-hmm. and, and the fairground. I, I just liked how the two of them... Um, just connected over the tape deck, you know, yeah. how, well, that tape deck, was it your mother that gave it to you? Asked Peter, you know, and you can see that it's important to her. Yeah. And she ultimately shares it with him because she goes, I know my mom would, would like me to share this with you. Yeah. And because as she finds out that, um, you know, in a sense, Peter wants to come home, uh, because he's, he's trying to get to Missouri to, to find out, pay his respects to his mother because he hasn't connected with his father mm-hmm. ego yeah in fact really what we hear is like he's just in my head it's just mm-hmm. like peter just doesn't appreciate that his dad is constantly in his thoughts in his head exactly speaking to him telling him what to do yeah um, and you know i, you I know? when i watched the first time I kind of mistook the story, took it the wrong way around. I thought actually Peter was here on Earth after he had destroyed some of the other planets in the realms or some of the other realms. Um, but Peter's telling the truth here. He has come to Earth to escape from his father, to try and get back to his home away from his father. The influence that ego has on him hasn't led him to be to become the destroyer that he thought he would become. Uh, Peter did pull away from it. Um, it was only it was in this conversation the second time I watched it that when he's talking to Hope and he's saying to him, "Well, why would I? Why would I want to destroy my home planet? This is yeah. where I'm from. I'm coming, you know, I'm coming back to Missouri, where I was taken from um, a couple of months ago. Really, at this stage, so yeah. Um, but, yeah. And, but I, I like that at its heart are these two kids really yeah. you know with hope telling then the all the assembled heroes that they've got it wrong about peter and mm-hmm. that he needs our help and i like how she pitches it to to hank as well mm-hmm. you know um and it brings out the best in hank here where you see him you know engaging with peter and um, in missouri at his mum's graveside so yeah. i i thought this was, had loads of heart and definitely. i really really enjoyed it you know definitely yeah, yeah although i do like that uh that entire conversation was <laughs> was under the watchful gaze of the winter soldiers well, um, <laughs> sniper rifle uh ready to take him out yeah um now he's still under control of uh of gorbachev and the russian government as you yeah. said so um so he's not actually working He's working kind of with uh, Earth's Mightiest Hero, but uh, not working for them. He's still under the control of his handlers, effectively, yeah. until Howard Stark breaks into his uh, control yeah. and gets him to think about his best friend, Steve Rogers. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, it's it's really good, isn't it? You know, you have Howard talking through the earpiece um, to the Winter Soldier mm-hmm. um, after sort of interrupting his handler's transmission to him, you know, but bringing in... Um, 
Steve Rogers. I, I like how Howard says, I can't believe after all this time, I'm still, you know, having to fall back on Steve Rogers. He's still mm-hmm. helping me out here. And Absolutely. it's the same with Hank, you know, where he's talking to Peter, trying to reason with him, you know, to ask him to help them, uh, tackle his dad who's come to destroy his home planet Mm -hmm. and i I like that it's you know peter's talking about you know i wanted to come home after you know i miss my mom i've lost her and but home doesn't feel right and hank says that's the same as for for me and for for hope our home doesn't feel right after the death of janet van dyne yeah and i you know i just love that whole connection of, of you know in, in the case of Hank and with Peter, it's, you know, a wife and a mother mm-hmm. that has gone. And in the, the case of um, the Winter Soldier, a.k.a. Bucky Barnes, it's his best friend, Steve Rogers, that, you know, is there still ingrained despite all the conditioning exactly. uh, that's gone into making him the Winter Soldier. And, yeah. um, you know, he still can see that. and And actually with, you know, Hank pulling in Peter close to him, then um you know, you see him stand down with the the sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. Um but even you can understand why Peter does go after Ego, and I just love that whole um battle because you know Ego is really I knew you were never a celestial you're a great disappointment, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely against him. And I love Peter coming back saying Actually, old man, my mom says I'm a Star Lord. Yes. And I just thought the, the imagery of him just sort of absorbing, uh, ego's power and then using it back against him mm-hmm. was, was just so, so good. Yeah. Well, it's really, really cool. Really, really cool. Uh, anything else you want to say about the, uh, the Earth's Mightiest Heroes themselves, uh, the team that we've got, um, set up here, John? Um, well, I liked, uh, King, uh, to checker mm-hmm. um, and i i love that he brings in the you know the the saying of uh wakanda from when the seven tribes weren't united mm-hmm. um about you know if you're waging a war on two fronts and um, then use those two fronts against one another exactly. i use ego and peter to attack one another yeah. the so only that, way to win is getting out of your enemy's way when you're yeah exactly war two fronts. Yeah, so i I, I thought that was really yeah. good and it's how really that, smart as yeah. well because you know we, we often see the avengers fighting a threat and the avengers win because they all work together to fight that threat and here we have peter versus versus ego and yeah. then the avengers stepping out of the way and just kind of you know keeping things at bay really or at this sorry or smartest here is uh stepping out of the way um yeah i thought that was a really good moment from t'chaka as he has his big moments here um i, I, li- mean, I like bill foster as well i thought he had yeah. a lot of fun moments i liked um when thor arrived and he was he was saying i will fight until um there's no wind left in my lungs and gets knocked back immediately and bill foster standing over over him as goliath going how much wind are left in your lungs now, Thor? <laughs> After thinking he can take on a celestial on his own. So trying to encourage Thor, just like they had to in the Avengers when Thor first appeared, uh, trying to convince him he does need a team around him just because he may be godlike and may have godlike powers doesn't mean he can't, he needs, he can't do it without support no, absolutely. from other people. I like the detachment of Winter Soldier as well, mm-hmm. you know, like after it's all done and he's not there celebrating at the Pym house. Mm-hmm. Um, Hank basically asks Howard, 
do we need to lock our doors? <laughs> you know, exactly. uh, is he going to come after us now? Yeah. And it kind of, in a sense, Winter Soldier has gone into the wind and has has sort of ditched um, his uh, Russian uh, handlers mm-hmm. altogether yeah. uh, to do his thing. Um, I, I guess he'd probably be taking on that role that Bucky Barnes had in um, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the TV show, where Bucky's now trying to make amends for yeah, his past. Exactly. So now that he's learned who he is and has, has, break, has broken that connection, um, I suppose that that might be that might be what he's doing. Um, but again, interesting that it's Peggy Carter and um, and Howard Stark that broke him from that. Because if you remember right back to the first Captain America movie, we had Howard Stark and a young Peggy Carter. All know, all knew who Bucky was back then. Uh, yeah. They were all friends together. The four of them were all all worked together for a long time before uh, Bucky got captured. So uh, good that still that friend group, I suppose, uh, taking care of uh, of Bucky. Yeah, absolutely. And then our last person is Doctor Wendy Lawson. Mm. Yeah, that's a really interesting one, isn't it? That um, you know, Wendy Lawson worked on Project Pegasus. We see in the opening moments of the episode that this whole. Uh, setting is set around Project Pegasus, uh, a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility. But it's quite interesting that they know that she's Kree um, yeah. really quickly. But again, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is always one of the, in the comics certainly, is always the one that knows lots more information than they're letting on. So maybe the world didn't know who um, who Dr. Lawson was, but maybe some members of S.H.I.E.L.D. did. Uh, Nick Fury was a lower la- level agent until he met with with Captain Marvel, and they met up with with Doctor Lawson in, yeah. in Captain Marvel. And I think if uh, if I'm right, he joined Shield in 1988, so he's not even a member of Shield uh, right now. This is uh, this is before him, so um, so that's I suppose quite interesting that maybe they did know that she was a Cree um, hiding in plain sight uh, during this, or maybe because of her technological experience she's the one that created the ship the the jump ship they're using uh, throughout the episode they brought her on board and then she revealed herself potentially yeah. that might be well what it happens. looks like she's loading the tesseract into it she is yeah 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 so that was her um that was her mission when she was trying to build the jump ship uh, at the beginning of uh, of Captain Marvel um when Carol Danvers is flying yeah. with her they do they're they're using the technology that she's creating so potentially she's using uh, the tesseract in that as well yeah so, exactly yeah. But I think it's quite interesting that they have her in there, that they, they pull her in. You know, it's, it's quite, an interesting yeah. choice. I mean, I, I don't really know why other than, you know, just to, trying to pick. And I think a bit like with Bill Foster, mm-hmm. a different person from the universe to be, you know, more central uh, to see how that plays out. Exactly. And I, I think that's just really interesting that kind of experimentation to yeah. be honest yeah definitely it's a it's a thing that happens so often and what if uh forming a completely different version of the avengers to the one you see on a regular basis in the comics or a completely different version of the x-men if, if the x-men were featuring you know who yeah. would be your main team if something happened at a different time so quite cool to see that uh on screen yeah definitely definitely but i suppose our our final point usually is what if the universe was changed forever how would this affect uh the whole universe after this story yeah well it i mean i think first off ego is able to convince peter at least for worlds that aren't his home world mm. to be able to you know be that advanced guard to enact his expansion um and and his plan to sort mm. of take over the universe um which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. And at least he enacts his plan much earlier than he did in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume yeah. 2, right? Um, Absolutely. So even if he didn't convince Peter to join him, he's able to kick off his plan much earlier. So that's quite a massive thing, I suppose. <laughs> even bigger than that, 
when you have Thor saying that all of the realms have fo- fallen, except for Midgard, the Earth realm, I suppose, uh, that's quite a massive thing. <laughs> all of the other realms are gone, um, including Asgard. Yeah. Um, so we don't have uh, any Asgardians at all. Thor's on his own, um, which leads to kind of the other big moment. We have the Avengers established here, or Earth Mightiest Heroes established here. They have a mission as well, which is going out into space to go and find Ego, the living planet, and destroy the planet so that this can't yeah. happen again. So, um, And that entire team includes young Avengers. It includes Peter Quill and Hope exactly. Van Dyne. And Goose is also included uh, in is. the Avengers. They have Flurkin power uh, in this new Avengers yeah. as well. I kind of like the um, the walk into uh, uh, into the light with the full team together and you have this Flurkin uh, walking confidently alongside yeah, the rest yeah, of the team. Really good. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so that's quite an interesting team going out into space now to fight, uh, fight against uh, Ego, the living planet. Yeah, it was really good. So, I mean... Yeah, I think this has um, certainly changed the universe and the makeup of the Avengers, which is a big deal. It is, you know? it is. Because uh, technically... Thor being the only one consistent here. Yeah, I was I was about to say that. Technically, the Avengers were set up because of the arrival of Thor. Isn't that right? Was that always Nick Fury's idea when they first saw um, an alien from outer space coming to Earth? They realized they needed to set up a force to be able to take on. Yeah any outer space force and here Thor is the last person to join the Avengers the last person to arrive on Earth so it's actually the arrival of Peter Quill that starts the Avengers here so that's quite cool too yeah definitely interesting would you like to see any more of this team in the future if there was going to be a an episode in season three let's say uh, would you like to see any of this team back together I think so I think Mm. so Um, I, I thought you know ultimately it was really an interesting lineup to be honest Um, (laughs) and It's kind of like, you know, I'd like to sort of have more Bill Foster and Mm -hmm. more Wendy Lawson, to be honest, and indeed Hank Pym as well. You know, at the end of the day, yes, Hank Pym is big in the Ant-Man movies, but he is the second fiddle. I mean, it's not, he's not a cameo by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, you know, to some extent, it's almost a bit like that. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's a bit down the, the order in terms of screen time. Mm. And I really enjoyed this Hank Pym. Um, yeah. the, you know, the trouble he's going through. And I like how it did connect back to, you know, him leaving Shield, mm-hmm. like we saw in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. And I, I thought that was really good. I liked seeing the young Hope. I liked seeing the young Peter Quill. Yeah. So yeah, yeah this was all really good for me yeah absolutely we haven't seen very much of hank pym's adventures as ant-man right no, exactly so, uh, yeah it'd be kind of cool to see as well in the future uh, and i'd like to see what happens to bucky being out on his own here um yeah. in in the world now released from the winter soldier much earlier um and I, I think guess, does that mean that he doesn't kill Howard stark well it seemingly is the case yeah yeah I mean, the the others... Yeah, because, because he kill, obviously he kills Howard Stark in 1992, yeah. uh, 1993, something like that. So um, this is before he kills Howard Stark. He's been freed from the Winter Soldier he's program. Ha- yeah, so, yeah, he's had his moments, yeah. Mm. Um, and I mean, the other thing, it almost to me is like it mirrors the fact that he could go to Wakanda sooner. You know, I mean, that side of the MCU where mm. he was the White Wolf always was you know, really intriguing to me. And I mm. wanted to see him carry on. Maybe you yeah. could argue we got a bit of that in um, Falcon mm-hmm. uh, and the Winter Soldier yeah. uh, or Captain America and the Winter Soldier. But it, you know, I love that kind of association. You know, that's where he gets rehabilitated. Yeah. And maybe in this case, it's going to be with King T'Chaka. Mm. That'd be quite interesting. That'd be quite interesting. Good stuff.
Yeah, uh, let's get on to our notes then. Mm. John, uh, do you have any notes to begin with? Yeah, I just have uh, the fact that on Coney Island, um, you see Peter Quill really as a kid. You know, um, mm. he's on he's he's on the fairground rides. He's eating candy floss, and he has gotten himself a, a raccoon um, plushy toy. Yes, he uh, does. Which ultimately gets its head uh, lasered off. Mm. Um, yeah. From uh, as the 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 Earth's Mightiest Heroes engage with him, yeah. um, for the first time on Coney Island. But I kind of like that we get the the reference to uh, Rocket the Raccoon here. It's such in, a cute nod to in Teddy yeah. Bear, uh, sort of referencing. Yeah, yeah, it's such a cute nod, isn't it? Yeah, it's really really nice to see that. Um, the thing that's not so nice, is, I think I just forgot to mention uh, during here, the one thing that pushes Peter over the edge once again is just like in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, he learns that um, Ego killed his mom um, yes. to get to drive Peter effectively. So um, so that was quite quite a big moment that that, that moment so he has also he has learned all of that information at a really young age not only his father's plan but also that his father killed his mother as well yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite a big one good stuff i don't think there's any more notes from myself no so let us get on to our defense derek mm-hmm. uh do you defend this episode I do defend this episode. Yeah, I like this. Um, this is another interesting story. You know, what would happen if Yondu had a change of heart? What What would happen if Yondu didn't um, take Peter traveling around the galaxy with him for for fifteen, twenty years? You know, it's it's a really interesting idea that that wouldn't change if Yondu had been the person that Peter thought he was. He could have ended off here with Ego earlier and what eight realms of the galaxy yeah. would have been destroyed because of that decision by yondu so uh yondu turning out to be a massive hero for uh keeping peter away from from ego interestingly yeah absolutely uh, what a great choice and again this is what what if should be it should be answering interesting takes on the the mcu so um you know i think right back when we covered that man of the wasp and we saw peggy carter and and um howard stark in S.H.I.E.L.D. with Hank Pym leaving at the time, we went, oh, I'd love to see a bit more of that story. Uh, they're all young enough actors. They can all come in and do um, a couple of a couple of uh, episodes of a TV show together. Yeah. We've had uh, Agent Carter as well. So uh, seeing that kind of other end of Agent Carter's career that she's now head and director of S.H.I.E.L.D., here she is with Howard Stark setting up the first version of the Avengers. I think that's cool seeing a bit more of that, uh, of those storylines as well. So, yeah, overall, I really liked this. Yeah, I thought it was a good episode. I would definitely defend it. How about yourself, John? Do you defend this episode of What If? Yeah, I really do defend this episode. Um, I I really, really enjoyed this episode. I'll give it four and a half Goosey Lucy's out (laughs) of five. Um, Yeah, I I really like the heart of this uh, episode Mm -hmm. uh, between... Peter and Hope Van Dyne, to be honest, yeah. and also linked to Hank and that idea of loss and family, mm-hmm. um, and sort of just having to, in a sense, almost, you know, start anew, uh, with trying to make somewhere home because of that loss. And I like how in the end it, it, it finished with that happily f- Happy family ending, uh, at the Pims where they're all enjoying a sort of a celebratory meal. And it's almost like they have, you know, taken in Peter here after Ego has shown himself to be an utter disappointment of a father to mm-hmm. Peter, uh, by, you know, telling him of his murder of, a, of his own mother that Peter misses hugely. And, you know, Ego is that almost 
you know, the the other end of the spectrum to how Hank has responded. You know, it's not been easy for him, like you see at the beginning, but by the end of this episode, he's responding to the fact he needs to step up for hope. Mm-hmm. And he also steps up for Peter. So I, I, I really enjoyed sort of the hub uh, and or nub of this. And mm-hmm. I think the additional elements of a, a new uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, a new Avengers with a different lineup was really uh, good to see and, and intriguing. Um, I like that you had Hope and Peter as part of that by mm-hmm. the end, along with uh, the old Flurkin as well <laughs> in the form of Goose. And um, I love the action sequences, you know, some of the imagery um, here. As I say, I think in particular when Peter sort of has absorbed that power from the seedling and sort of projects it back at Ego's avatar form. Yeah. Um, so I, I would absolutely want to see how they confront his planetary form. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a really good addition. Um I like, yeah, I I like that Yondu um sort of handing Peter to Ego as well. Just again, like with all of these small changes, really interesting um large consequences here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for me this is four and a half goosey loosies out of five. Um, really solid, good, full of heart. Um, and and hope, Fandime exactly. in brackets. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely do defend this episode. Absolutely, and again, second episode here, and I can't see um, these all connecting together. Very different from the first episode, um, other than potentially the Soul Team are going out into space. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's some Maybe kind of Guardians connect. of the Galaxy connection mm-hmm. so far. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But John, what if we had some feedback? Well, we do. Mm, yeah, we do. Question answers. <laughs> um, yes. First up, over on email, we have received some feedback from our great fellow defender, Coffee and Vodka, who says, Greetings, fellow old school defenders. Uh, the first viewing of episode one provided a by the book and a tonal performance of Nebula. The second watch shows subtlety in Nebula's words and actions, foreshadowing everything formerly hidden, a noir world of light, dark and grey where few motivations are readily apparent. No subtlety here, however, just a good old-fashioned team-up against a big, bad dad, and a son looking to get out from under his thumb. It was good to see Goliath as part of the team, and always a plus to have Hank around. Instant exposition, getting to the next panel, the next fight, and the next explosion, ending with a no-muss-no-fuss Gosh, I guess we're a super team now. This was in every way designed to bring out the 13-year-old reading comics by flashlight under the blanket past bedtime. A total blast with another coming up tomorrow. Good days indeed. Four Derek-designed Thors, diabolical daughters, and a mountainous ego out of five. Peace and take care. Coffee and vodka. Excellent stuff, coffee and vodka. Um... That's a reference to my hatred of Party Thor from season one of What If, I think. <laughs> I think yeah, it might Whereas be. I really liked the Thor in this episode. Um, I thought I thought he worked really well. I liked the anger that he comes in. Uh, his entire uh, realm has been destroyed and he's here to take Danny Gun. If he has to do it alone, he'll do it alone. I thought that was a, a nice change from the Thor that we've been seeing, the comedy version of him that we've been seeing for such a long time uh, in the movies. So, uh, yeah, totally with you. That's that's my version of Thor that I like to see on screen. Excellent yeah. stuff. Uh, thanks so much, Coffee and Vodka. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
over on Facebook, we got some feedback as well. Uh, first up was Heather Wallace, mm-hmm. who says, Another good episode. And it's great. This season is exploring scenarios. I loved the subtle nod to Rocket when Peter chooses a raccoon-like toy at the carnival. Mm-hmm. I'm so impressed with the art and animation. There was a very subtle shift in Yondu's expression from kindness of the version we know to malevolence of the Yondu handing Peter over. It was very creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, good stuff, Heather. I know exactly what you mean. It was almost like a, a sneering malevolence. Um, you know, almost like, right, now give me my cash. And, and an understanding of maybe what he's done and also probably what protection from ego he's gotten for, for doing it. You mm-hmm. know? So, yeah, I, I caught that um, subtle change in his expression as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Heather. Uh, also on Facebook, uh, Sandy Resendez says, I really like this episode. Even being influenced by his father at a younger age, he still knew he was wrong and defeated him in the end. I just realized that if Bucky was freed, then he wouldn't have killed Howard Stark a few years later. I guess they could send another Winter Soldier to do it, but it wouldn't have been Bucky. Mm. It's a great point, Sandy. I think we only just came to that realization yeah. at the end of, of the discussion that we were having about the episode there. How silly are we uh, to not notice that? That's a massive change for the Winter Soldier character. That means that there's no civil war, right? Um, there's no battle between Iron Man and Steve Rogers in the future over Bucky Barnes and the murder of of uh, of um, Tony Stark's father, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so that, that's really interesting, a really interesting change uh, for this episode. Um, Jeff Childs asks, so S.H.I.E.L.D. knew about Wakanda and the Wendy Lawson was Cree. Exactly. Actually, yeah. that's another really interesting point, Jeff. Yeah, that King T'Chaka has effectively, you know, revealed the Black Panther significantly uh, earlier in the timeline. Yeah, yeah, he has. Now, I know that when... Black Panther comes out and he reveals the technological side of Wakanda. That's absolutely unknown to the world. They're masquerading as a third world nation. That's why they have the shield over it and nobody can see see through the shield. But Howard Stark does make a mention of the fact that they had some vibranium, which is what they made um, Steve Rogers' shield out of back in World War II. So there may have been some connection there between the two. I think back... When the first, when that first Captain America movie was made, I think they kind of just said it's made from vibranium, but didn't talk about where it came from. So uh, here, it's revealed almost that there has been a connection between uh, Howard Stark and Wakanda, and that's where he got the material from. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's quite interesting. And yeah, we kind of mentioned the Wendy Lawson thing. Maybe she's revealing herself as Kree here for the first time, although. Eh, Peggy Carter doesn't seem too surprised. She seems to be aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, we're in an alternate universe, I guess, so they kind of get away with some things that uh, they may not be getting away with in the main version of uh, the universe, probably for reasons of um, making it easy exposition, how you can get this team yeah, together. Yeah, within right? the time frame of mm. each episode. Plus, in, in a sense, because it is what if, it is absolutely the opposite that everything is unconnected to some extent. And, mm. um, you know, you can totally break the connection, even yeah. though they're taking through lines and changing them. Mm. It doesn't have to be connected in that way. Kind of, kind of. I guess. But they are kind of saying that everything's connected it, up all. until the point that yeah. the change is made. Yeah. It? But but it's interesting to be able to take those, uh, those slight differences, slight differences. Yeah. Uh, Donald Dennis also had a few questions. He asks, uh, what did you think of this version of Thor? Yes, Derek, what did you think of this version of Thor? Yeah, I, res- I know you've answered this. I, I know I responded to Donald <laughs> thinking he was 
was talking about a very quick cameo of comedy Thor in the next episode of What If. <laughs> so yes, to to uh, repeat, Donald, your questions about this Thor in this episode liked him much more uh, than we saw in the last season, and then we've seen in most of the movies in the last couple of years as well. Uh, I like this version of Thor; it's really good. Excellent. Uh, Donald continued. Also, do you think that in episode two of this season, we witnessed the big bad for the season overall? Or do you feel they will skip the overarching story this time? While I'd love them to tie a bunch of these things into one big story, I don't want them to feel it's necessary every season of What If? Yeah, it's interesting. As I say, at the moment, it just feels like there's a Guardians of the Galaxy mm. kind of thread here so far from these first two. And I, so I'm assuming Donald then the, the big bad being ego the in planet his planet itself. Form. Yeah. Mm, that could be interesting. That could be interesting. But yeah. Um, I, I know we have some very different episodes coming up, uh, over the rest of the season. So not sure how we get all of them into space and going. Uh, after ego wow. or whether that would be the right thing um i think we haven't seen enough and i definitely didn't think uh watching the first season of what if um that it was all going to culminate in, in one big showdown at the end of the season either so no. i think it took me about six episodes to realize there was anything connected at all and there's certainly nothing specifically being called out in these first two episodes where the watchers coming in and pulling individuals out of the world or anything like that just yet so uh so we'll have to watch a bit more yeah definitely definitely good stuff donald and as well jeff sandy uh as well as heather again mm. and uh coffee and vodka good stuff thanks Absolutely. for the feedback yeah yeah if you want to send any feedback into us you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tv podcast industries there's a spoiler post up there for every episode of what if that's been released so far Yes, excellent. Thanks so much for joining us, fellow defenders. As always, uh, we are going to be back next time to chat about episode three. What if Happy Hogan saved Christmas? Mm, Twas released the night before Christmas. Twas it was. And we will be recording probably the night before New Year's, I think, is roughly when we're recording, right? Indeed. (laughs) Good stuff. Thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you again next time. Yeah. Speak to you next time, fellow defenders. In the meantime, of course, though, keep watching, keep listening, and keep defending. Bye. Bye.